0: Hi, my name is Adi Adi Oluwadewumizere. I'm the MD of Alliance in Nigeria, listening from Lagos, Nigeria. And I love and thank IBS podcast for what they're doing, promoting insurance and technology for the benefit of Nigerians and Africans across the continent. Thanks. Keep up the good work.
1: Welcome to another interesting episode of Tech Business Series podcast, and today we have a very amazing person in the house. And I mean, I've really been uh, grateful to LinkedIn, right? LinkedIn has been a, a huge source of connecting um, Africans, really, especially relation to some of the things that we do. You know, talking about insurance, talking about technology and innovation. We came across uh, we connected with uh, our guest today on, on LinkedIn and he was gracious enough to come on and share his, his thoughts as regards what he's doing and insights around what uh, blockchain can do for the um, African continent and looking at this for you from the insurance perspective. Shadrach, how are you?
2: I'm excellent. Uh, much appreciated, uh, Damola, and much appreciated, Me. I really appreciate your your courteous hospitality, and looking forward to the conversation with you and the and the listeners. Thank you so much.
1: Uh, Awesome, yeah. So uh, to start off, now uh, I know that you uh, we've been seeing a lot of activities from you, um, you know, online, traveling here and there. We're talking before before this call as regards some of the things that you have been trying to sort out in the East African part, you know, partnerships and things like that. Generally now, how are you? Like, how are you?
2: I am well. I am well. I, I think uh, leading and living at this altitude uh, gets one to really appreciate uh, mental health and well-being, especially when the continent relies on the likes of myself to lead and live on the front lines to make sure that what what can be leveraged, uh, whether through blockchain, whether through emerging tech, is really brought to the fore for decision making and for the benefit of practical uh, communities uh, at large. So. I am really well, and I'm looking forward to some reflections uh, during these conversations. As you rightfully said, having touched down from uh, East Africa innovation di- diplomacy in that regard.
0: Awesome! I like the fact that you said having touched down East Africa. Based on what we've seen on your page on LinkedIn, as well as um, you know our conversation, um, can you tell us about
2: your growing passion for the prosperity, you know, for Africa? Uh, Thank you kindly. You know, my passion for Africa's well-being, I think it partially has its origins or its roots in how I grew up. I often tell people that I am a born diplomat who is now uh, uh, bringing diplomacy to innovation and blockchain. What do I mean by that? I was, uh, very few people are aware that I was born not only in South Africa, but in a region that enabled me to be born at the intersection of three provinces uh, in South Africa. In Nigeria, it's regarded as uh, states and in the U.S. as well, but in South Africa, we, re- we refer to the sub-regions as provinces. So I was born at the intersection of three provinces. So as you can imagine, from a very young age, I've had to uh, grapple with and later uh, perfect the mastery of living in a very... Uh, a culturally polarized uh, uh, dimension. What that means, those same three provinces just before I was born and even after I, w- I was still in my childhood, they were actually originally countries, meaning the, the region called Buputatswana, which is now known as Northwest, and you may be familiar to it as the Platinum Belt of South Africa. That was actually a country on its own. You would need a visa. You would need a passport to go to it. But they have amalgamated into uh, one South Africa that I call home. But back then it meant, it meant that as a young hunter, I would actually secure a hunting deal in the one country for my breakfast and secure another hunting deal for dinner in another country. So I've been straddling cultural lines and country border, uh, borders from a very young age. Hence, I'm a born diplomat and I'm using that muscle memory in technology, in blockchain, and even with my corporate experience in emerging markets to just to just consolidate them as a strength as i move the blockchain adoption forward so yes i'm a born diplomat
1: oh, wow uh, that's that's very very interesting i mean i can i can imagine you know uh waking up in in one in one province and then uh you are going to uh, play in the in the in, in in the next just like you're strolling to uh to the supermarket and things like that. So that could be that Amazing. should have been <laughs> very interesting. Growing on, but I mean, how was how was growing up for you, and how has that really like shaped? who you are today?
2: That's a very good question. My growing up was not without its rough patches, uh, being raised by a single mom who was uh, fending for us, uh, five brothers in total, under one roof, and she herself has had a a, a a fair share in life, where life did not treat her fairly as it usually happens, and she lost her domestic worker job. So yes, I was raised by a domestic worker, Tent entrepreneur. So she was actually bitten by a dog on the last day when she was working in Work as a migrant laborer and after she healed she realized that my goodness maybe the next time it won't be a dog bite but it might be a, a dog fatality. So she just stayed back at home and she began experimenting with a variety of business opportunities and she just she was a self-starter a truly independent woman who really uh, uh, did whatever she had to do while our dad was away in the city. And from that environment where she cultivated an environment of possibility of resilience, by seeing her overcome her battles, it inspired me to really uh, uh, live life on a front footing, to shake off whatever was trying to press me down and just look up and, and chat my own territory and tell my own story. So here I am later, uh, 36 years later since my birth, I now owe my 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 gratitude to my mom who really modeled what having an overcoming spirit and finding a way to win really looks like. Of course, now I have mentors around me that also cultivate and infuse that same perspective and that same boldness that you cannot lead in Africa from the back of the queue. you got to be on the front line. So yes, I've had a variety of mentors that really lent me their shoulders. So as I stand on the shoulders I can see much further so indeed you can say I stood on the shoulders of giants that was my growing up both at home and also in business
0: amazing experience i, I really like i wanted to say um you know kudos to your mom i mean for having given you that opportunity i mean seeing that real time and i think that it has sort of reflecting you know um i know we talked about the passion for seeing prosperity in africa and your story as well and i think um well done well done i must say and again major kudos to your mom and so will you say based on these experiences you had it's one of the Driving um, force in terms of you evangelizing actively for you know blockchain and um, blockchain acceptance
2: in Africa. Uh, thank you kindly uh, for me. I think uh, being a born diplomat and being a a fighter and a hunter from a very young age, uh, a a sustenance hunter, I was actually among the last sustenance farmers to have grown up in my region. I was a very last generation. After our generation, the tax shops took over, the supermarkets took over. When you ask kids today, where where does milk come from? They point at the shops, but I'm actually the one who milked the cattle. I'm the one who actually planted the the the, the fields and harvested the mealy and crushed it with my own hands and sifted it. So I I think um, that appreciation from sustenance farming, from hunting for breakfast uh, and and also uh, uh, going across countries and seeing the reality of what life is on the ground, I think it molded me, not just into an entrepreneur or a techpreneur or a blockchain uh, evangelist, but it also molded me into someone who really, really has got a, a, a tangible vendetta against social inequality. So I don't tackle the players, I tackle the ball. So I want to liberate Africa and see to it that Africa punches beyond its weight and those that have been elbowed out of the room are invited back in the room and that's what—that's a legacy I want to create uh, in the next uh, maybe couple of decades, uh, uh, God willing. So I am here. I am here for the common man. So I am here to make sure that we did latter the table, deconstruct it so that the ordinary people can coexist as Africa rises next to the, t- the next to the economic giants. That's the Africa wanna live in.
1: Awesome. I mean, I, I, I was listening to to you speak there, and I could hear you know. That diplomats part of you you know wanting to to help that uh, that common man and trying to connect everybody and not seeing the difference you know which usually is always played up in in all of these uh conversations but you know I mean we'll come back to the blockchain point that you mentioned and which uh me asked you about but looking at uh your career right I know you started off uh, in the medical space but today you are in the um Hair industry. How did that happen, and how does blockchain come into the hair business?
2: very 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 interesting trajectory and an interesting leap you know uh, uh, early on in life uh, my mom has always inspired me and I was myself inspired to become a neurosurgeon in the medical field and today I find myself looking at different neuropathings uh, that are not in the brain but they're actually the, the the fundamentals of Africa's supply chains so from the neurons to the trade corte I am connecting dots. And with that being said, I have seen a trajectory where instead of taking on medical sciences, even though I've done pre-med school uh, with Vets University uh, 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 along the bridging programs in that vicinity, I ended up going into communications and strategy. And with that being said, I mapped out a corporate career that uh, was quite successful. And my last corporate job was with Deloitte, where, lo and behold, I actually worked Within, within the medical sector in my strategy capacity and I helped to handhold the Exco teams across Deloitte and other partners in order to do business, tangible business with the public sector uh, whereby I was privileged to be part of the launching of Very interestingly, what brings together medicine and insurance, which was a medical health insurance called the the GEMS medical scheme, medical aid scheme, which was a flagship project of the government that was left in private sector hands. I was among those hands that handled it and I helped to really take it from a zero revenue position to actually five billion within 36 months which really was quite a feat because the largest insurer here called Discovery needed 13 years to actually touch that milestone. So here I am today, I transitioned beyond corporate, Fast forward later when I'm focusing in management consulting and growing entities, one of my ex-colleagues from Deloitte uh, ends up in my office and she begs us to say, please, man, I'm selling human hair extensions out of my handbag with my husband. We fell on hard times. We were made redundant at Deloitte because businesses changed. The business unit I was in, Kanalawagas, kind of was folded. So can you help me? Can you grow this handbag business? Well, long story short, 36 Six months later, we evolved a business from $500 into a two million US dollar a year revenue. Four branches, two of them inside five-star hotels, and she was hiring 40 staff by headcount. And and you know what? Uh, we now had so much of attention from the hair industry. People banging on our door. Please give us the same growth. Where's the magic pill? I told them there's no magic pill. Just hard work. So I asked them to wait outside. I commissioned my team to now come, come through the crosshairs of the hair industry in Africa. And we found that it was a sizable sector. 7 billion US dollars a year, 100 million units exchanging hands a year. So then I said, you know what? Let's host a couple of dinners. One of those dinners was with our executive friends from IBM, and it was at the dinner table that one of them said, listen, this is really a case for blockchain provenance, meaning tracking and tracing hair across the entire global supply chain should be what you look at in order to unlock the door and allow all those hair interests in. But solution them at a category level. Don't give them a one-by-one growth. And here we are. Not only are we in hair, but now we are moving in into other supply chains, that's how, I, that's
1: how we got here. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Adebo Ali Banjo. I'm co-founder CEO at MyCover.ai, and we are building Africa's digital insurance infrastructure. For the latest news on insurance technology in Africa, keep listening to InsurTech Business Series and stay updated.
0: Wow, I mean, okay, this is this is Damola. I think we have ourselves, um, you know, a mentor already, and so I'm, I'm hoping that Shedrack, you're up for it. Um, I'm really <laughs> hoping that you're up yeah. for it. We're going to be engaging you more. Um, I mean, in a indeed,
2: we can compare. those you're so kind.
0: Thank you for having <laughs> me. We can
2: definitely compare. Notes.
0: All right. So I, I really like the fact that you're so passionate about, you know, not just um blockchain, but the fact that you're very keen on you know successes you you start something and then you see that it actually gets to a point of completion and it gets to a point where um, it's growing basically and so um an expression from that it would be that that's more or less like and then business, though, an expression from that would be that, um, in terms of this blockchain, now that you you currently talk about and you currently you're actively engaged in, um, how do you see that this is going to play a role? I mean, with your passion and all of that, how do you think that this is going to play a role within, you know, um, African continental free trade agreement that just kickstarted at the beginning of this year? How how exactly do you, you know? Um, um, Do you
2: want to share the things that you seek to achieve with that? Absolutely, thank you so much, uh, Fulomi. Great question. You know, the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement, as it went live on the first of January, twenty twenty-one, it it really uh, uh, comes at an opportune time. And before I delve into what that looks like as the priorities and how blockchain plays a role in that space as an enabler, I think I must firstly admit that my team and I, we often say, it is regrettable. That blockchain itself as a tool and as, in, as an industry appears to have arrived in Africa one, at least 100 years late, if not 400 years late, because we've been needing our blockchain capabilities long before the industry was started 10 years ago. With that being said, you know, the main thing that uh, blockchain seeks to to really embed into the the, 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 the the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement, let's look at the priorities. The agreement seeks to lift at least 30 million uh, individuals on the continent out of a dire poverty. The agreement seeks to add to the intercontinental trade uh, budget size or trade wallet or trade, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, tr- trade value, at least 450 billion US dollars. And the agreement also seeks to lower the border tariffs uh, of goods by up to 90%. So that by itself is a case for blockchain because by by increasing trade volumes and trade size. We don't want to see the rich getting richer. We need, I mean, if you look, uh, Africa is home to 99% small and medium-sized businesses, and only 1% of the businesses are large, corporate or legacy firms. So blockchain now as a truth machine, it becomes a match referee to make sure that as the continental growth expands, as the 450 billion is added onto the trade value, we are able to have a line of sight into those see-through supply chains to make sure that the giants, the Goliaths and the David are, are benefiting at the same time. So that by itself is the first part of call. And in terms of uh, lowering the border tariffs by 90%, Blockchain automatically is built into it when it comes to supply chain applications, is built into it that it is able, when deployed, is able to bring through or materialize certain supply chain efficiencies. So you can't speak border management, border efficiencies and leave blockchain out of the room because for your data management, data control and converting that border post into a drive-through, you need blockchain to avoid redundancies and lower fraudulent activities. That's a case for, for a truth machine. So yes, uh, uh, the Africa Continental Free Trade Agreement and blockchain, we are ensuring that these two are joined to the heap because they're truly, truly, Great bed partners for development. Mm,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, those were very key points that you that you that you mentioned. And for me, I, I'm beginning to see the picture. But I mean, for a lot of people who are listening, right? I mean, I mean, this whole idea about about blockchain. I mean, blockchain is one of the emerging technologies. You know, talking about artificial intelligence. You know, cloud. You know, IOTs and things like that, right? Uh, so maybe we should start with what exactly is. It, does blockchain mean or what it is, you know, we have, we have looked at some of the benefits that it brings to the, um, the free trade agreement, right? But what exactly is this blockchain? And when you look at, when you talk about blockchain, it's, it's, it's clouded under the the whole um, conversation around cryptocurrency and things like that. And kind of gives it like a negative image, right? So but maybe you can help us to have a clear picture understanding of what exactly blockchain is.
2: Absolutely. That is a great question, uh, Damol. I appreciate that. You know, if you look at Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies versus blockchain or where 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 is the linkage there? Where is the alignment and where are the lines becoming blurry? I'm going to use, uh, uh, what do you call it? I'm going to use peanut butter as an example in order to really distill it, to distill it and crystallize it. There is a gentleman who, uh, okay. who actually is known. To have produced um, to have produced more 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 dollar millionaires in America than the, I mean in his lifetime at the time more than Harvard, and, 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 and Princeton and, and all the Ivy Leagues and all the Ivy Leagues, uh, uh, MIT, all the Ivy Leagues uh, uh, varsity uh, ecosystems put together. And one of those dollar millionaires he produced is a, a gentleman known as George Washington Carver. He was an agri-scientist. He was an agri-scientist that actually discovered or extrapolated or invented more than 300 more than 300 different byproducts out of a peanut i mean if you look at a humble peanut it's not much so what does that mean for blockchain and and the difference between bitcoin and blockchain Mm. or crypto and blockchain Uh, bitcoin is a byproduct Mm. of blockchain bitcoin is not blockchain what i mean by that among those three hundred products, uh, products that uh, Dr. George Washington Carver made out of peanuts, those involve glue, those involve pesticides. He he made a whole lot of products. So the products are never the peanut, even though the peanut is the raw material from which the products came from. Blockchain is the framework on which Bitcoin was formed about a decade ago through that flagship white paper that Sakamoto put forward. However, uh, Bitcoin is not blockchain. So Bitcoin in this regard is one of the use cases or the applications of blockchain. Blockchain itself is a truth machine a trust machine and a decentralized ledger environment on which you can build anything. Do you want to deploy supply chain use cases? You now build them on that blockchain framework. There are a lot more see through a lot, a lot more decentralized, a lot more community involving than if they are centralized and sitting on someone's desk somewhere without the whole stakeholders being in the room. So that's uh, some, I mean, even oil, Nigeria is known for oil uh, across the, the, the Niger Delta. When you look at the dynamics out of oil, more than I, I believe uh, by last count, more than six thousand products can come from the the, the 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 what do you call it the crude oil. But those products are not the crude oil. So I mean, those products they can move from paraffin to jet fuel to to, to, yeah. to diesel and a whole lot. So. Uh, Bitcoin is the diesel of the blockchain sector, but it is not crude oil. So blockchain is the crude oil in its raw form. However, Bitcoin is one of the byproducts. So I think that distinction is very critical. Thanks for bringing up that.
1: Hi, I'm Dr. Neto, founder and CEO of Weller Health. We are working on affordable access to healthcare using technology and alternative care pathways. Microinsurance being central to our work. I'm delighted to be on the chat on InsureTech Business Series, where we talk about some of the stuff we're learning at Weller Health and how we can improve
2: insurance adoption across Nigeria and Africa. Enjoy. Okay.
0: Um, I like the fact that you actually explained it, and I love the fact mm-hmm. that you made use of that analogy. Um, and I'm sure that most of our audience, because typically I had to I'm, my impression of um, blockchain and always been the fact that there was, you know, cryptocurrency, especially at the point where Central Bank of Nigeria basically um, issued the circular that was blocking accounts that dealt in cryptocurrency. But we'll talk about that after this particular question. And I'll ask for your opinion about that as well. But in terms of um, insurance, so we've had a penetration rate in Nigeria at um, 0.3%, that's our penetration index rate, as well as contribution to our GDP. And if blockchain has been said to, you know, bring a lot of benefits to the insurance space, right? So how do you think blockchain could impact the insurance industry in Africa, and how what are what are the contributions you think that and progress you think that we can see as a result
2: of, you know, binding to blockchain? That's a very good one. Uh, th- thank you so much uh, for knowing me. You know, let's let's draw some parallels between blockchain and insurance. They are both they are both part and parcel of the trust economy. Let's, let's start that as a departure point. They are both a form of the trust business, meaning there will be no insurance if there was no trust. And equally, there will be no, no blockchain or even a need for a blockchain if there was no trust. I think that linkage as a departure point forms a nice bedrock for our discussion uh, in terms of the contrast and the benefits. So that's one. Now, number two, one of the, the insurance sector oh, okay. pain points or blockages has been this notion that that refers to insurance as mm-hmm. the grudge payment or the grudge business. So ask yourself, why is there a grudge? There is a grudge because the stakeholders or the end user mm-hmm. consumers, whether they are business insurance uh, consumers or their personal long term or short, uh, I mean, short or long term they both perhaps in some way or the other feel like they are not in the know, uh, the, 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 the trust deficit or trust is running very low. Will this person actually pay out if we actually experience a funeral in our family or should we come up with our own funeral uh, uh, scheme get together as a community in South Africa they call those top fells, where 20 neighbors or even more will come together and and put together their own form of insurance against a rainy day but obviously those ones are not scalable they're not sustainable they're too informal to be left in that state so if we add, if we looked at the link between blockchain as a trust machine and as a see-through machine and blockchain as a as a, a what, what do you call it, a, 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 as an active ingredient for transparency. It may not eliminate entirely in its entirety the grudge element in insurance but it will certainly level the play field to ensure that there's a, a lot more uh, trust uh, uh, built in that trust economy landscape. Meaning, if Tamola goes to Fulomi to now uh, uh, underwrite um, or have his his policy underwritten by Fulomi and myself, Shadrach, I'm the claims investigator. Uh, 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 Damola wants the comfort of knowing that my claims investigation before Fulomi pays out is not going to bias him in any way. He's not going to hear stories, oh no, you didn't declare this, you didn't declare that. There wouldn't be all those friction points, particularly on the end user consumer. So the consumer wants better sleep at night. They want assurances that this system is equal equitable, has no biases, is not going to pay one tribe in Nigeria while disadvantaging another tribe, or is not going to pay people with a certain surname while uh, uh, blocking out of the room people with another surname. So uh, once again, in short, uh, as a trust enabler and as a trust increaser, Blockchain is really positioned Mm -hmm. well to help uh, manage the various moving parts for the insurance sector, even as Nigeria increases uh, its its, its GDP value on insurance. It's interesting that you mentioned that in your question because when I was looking at some numbers recently, South Africa uh, insurance premiums uh, from a market share point of view accounts for more than 70% of all the premiums collected on the continent. So that shows you just how immature the, the, the rest of the, the continent of Africa is. Uh, immature in a sense of it is it is an untapped opportunity. It is, it, it is a world that has not been frequented or that has not been drawn from it. So there's, there's really a large room for growth. Last but not least, one of the biggest enemies of the insurance sector is this thing called fraud or fraudulent claims. So it should have happened like, like many months ago that insurance as a sector has worked out how how to how to block the leakages, but they've not been able to. Yeah. And maybe it's a good thing. Maybe they were waiting for the truth machine and a trust machine that blockchain is that that can actually uh, 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 negate risk and mitigate risk from the genesis of of of, of the what you call it of the underwriting <laughs> of that uh, particular policy or whatever it is. Because if you look at it in South Africa, of the 35 billion za that is claimed every year roughly about 20 percent of it turns out to be fraudulent which works out to a sizable uh, seven billion uh, za, uh in terms of value that that goes down the drain and that's the one we know about so if maybe Damola is to now uh, come calling for the claim uh, that he left or underwritten with Fulomi, and Shadrach is investigating, I can really, really carry out as a claims investigator. I can carry out that in, that investigation in a matter of in a matter of seconds, not in a matter of a two-week investigation and speak to a whole lot of people. What do I mean by that? I will close my point with this. in in, in the U.S. In a different uh, value chain of uh, retail, Walmart called in IBM, our technical partner and our funder, as Coronet blockchain. They called in IBM and said, help us to, to demystify and deconstruct the, the food value chain in such a way that we can track and trace food in any regard from, you, from, from grower to actually to, to the shelf. And at first, what was the scenario looking like? One of the executives of Walmart took a a packet of mangoes, just, just a handful for a bite size for someone's lunch. And he walked, he took it from the shelf of one of the Walmart stores and he walked into the boardroom and asked his team of supply chain experts. And he said, can you track for me? Where does this, can you investigate? Where does this mango that I'm about to consume now during this meeting, where does it come from? It took them. Two, more than two weeks to, to conclude that investigation. But fast forward after blockchain was added uh, 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 to, to, to mitigate uh, that investigation that, that uh, two week window of successful investigation to, to the source, the real source, it now shrunk to two and a half seconds. So in two and a half seconds, you are now able to use blockchain to find out this mango I'm about to consume, where does it come mm. from? Imagine that, that, the amount of savings for insurance when uh, when uh, fraudulent claims can actually be detected in a matter of seconds, not weeks. Uh, and they, they can even through blockchain and AI and machine learning, there can be patterns that are picked up in the cloud uh, 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 from the genesis, uh, even before the claim, from the genesis of the underwriting, some red flags can come to the fore. So in short, the, the audiences that are listening and the experts the decision makers I'm saying that uh, blockchain has to come to the cinema near you like yesterday if you want to realize some incredible savings in uh, in culling or reducing the amount of bleed on the on the fraudulent claims and other moving parts I'm just saying blockchain has to set up in a cinema near you
1: <laughs> wow yeah that was that was packed, right and I really um, appreciate all that you shared and I mean it, it just begs to to, to question right uh, I mean I know that you, you speak a, a bit about the fact that I mean yeah, I mean blockchain came in late but then I mean all this talk about emerging technologies and things like that I mean insurance generally is slow to change and this is generally around the world right especially adopting uh, technology. With all of these benefits, right, and you talked about uh, insurance companies, for example, Discovery in South Africa, you know, are they not seeing some of these things or what exactly do you think is the reason why um, there is still not much um, adoption or even consideration of some of these technologies, like like blockchain specifically. You know, especially looking at the fraudulent um, claims that you mentioned, which is something uh, a lot of insurance companies you know struggle with, right? Is it that there is no knowledge about uh, the, the the technology or? Uh, they are not seeing the benefits yet?
2: That's a very good question. Thank you so much. I think if we look at human behavior, or if we look at the the element of behavioral economics, those executives in insurance companies and at the highest, highest altitudes of the industry, they are human beings first before their insurance sector executives. And human beings, what we've learned over the, the, the centuries and the millennials is that human beings, we are creatures of habit. So if I am used to doing something a certain way, please pardon me if I go like, no, 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 no. I like my jollof rice a certain way. I like my fufu a certain way. I like my my, my egusi a certain way. I, you shouldn't add these foreign spices that come from South Africa. I like it the traditional way please, uh, you need to go slow. So they are human beings first. And as human beings, they can be forgiven for maybe being a bit slow as a sector. However, let, I'm glad that you mentioned the insurance sector globally. Let's look at the other sector that also deals with trust, which is uh, the, 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 the casino industry, which uh, on their casino floor, I, I think it's safe to say that between casinos and the military, those are the Fastest, fastest adopting sectors among the top in the world because the military. If you don't adopt new technology, uh, you 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 actually may pay with your dear life. So that's why America, for one, has got a military budget of 800 billion US dollars a year. Don't ask me what they do with that money, but they're de- uh, they're deploying all that into always having the, the 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 A grade top of the shelf military readiness intervention whether through spacecraft, whether through ground or aviation or marine, they're always on on the front footing. Coming back to insurance, well, it was okay to to be a, a, a creature of habit, It was okay to be comfortable in your comfort zone as an insurance executive, as a regulator or whoever you are at the decision making uh, ecosystem side of the industry. However, along comes COVID and COVID has become a major reset button whereby not just the insurance sector, but everybody yeah. has to I'll jump the out of their slumber. <laughs> everybody has to jump out of their slumber and get to the bottom of what is this blockchain and how can it help us to do some recoveries on what we've been hemorrhaging or bleeding on our claim side. So whilst it's okay to be okay with okay, it's no longer okay, actually, because COVID is here, people are, are, are losing jobs, industries are hemorrhaging value. So maybe it's a big wake-up call It's unfortunate that COVID has led to the loss of lives, but COVID has also poured cold water on many people's faces and whereby going forward, the world is no longer the same therefore we can no longer be comfortable with what we are comfortable with we can no longer be okay with okay because that's not okay for business
0: wow i like i like the closing of the fact that you mentioned it is not okay to have an i mean that, that sort of sets the standard that we're looking for more excellence um, in this particular industry and and yes again the closing line was superb and it was spot on and so having said all of this about you know dealing with businesses in a, in a COVID environment now, how exactly do you think that um, this has impacted a lot of businesses as well as, I mean, especially in insurance, like you mentioned, and again, how is blockchain going to help us to, you know, um, upscale, especially to our customers that are currently um, perceived as underserved and um, financially exclusive. You know, a lot of people are so um, risk-averse when it comes to adopting the blockchain technology because they feel that there's a lot of um, cyber security threats and all of that. So how exactly do you think that in this era of COVID-19, blockchain is going to help us to upscale our products and, you know, um, business um,
2: innovations. Thank you so much, for me. You know, uh, the implications of COVID on the global economy itself is such that no longer can any sector uh, continue to indulge or continue to practice a business as usual. We all need to go back to the drawing board and carry out what is often referred to as a business unusual, and that applies to the, to the to to both the blockchain sector and also applies to the insurance sector. On the blockchain sector, it took the world uh, in general to uh, acclimatize to blockchain when it was in a form of a pill. You know, when blockchain was served as a pill, if you think about it as a pill, uh, if blockchain was a pharmacy, the first pill to be made was Bitcoin. So that pill, it, it was a bit of a tough pill to swallow at first, and it took 10 years for the world to go like okay maybe this pill is not that bad let's take our medicine we will be well however now that we are looking at use cases of blockchain or other pills uh, in in both the pharmaceutical industry the insurance sector and also in the agri supply chain and all these other sectors including data management space technology we cannot take the next 10 years acclimatizing to these pills or getting used to the fact that even if they are a bitter pill to swallow, you must swallow them. What makes them bitter? Well, whenever you adopt transformation or whether you are, whenever you, you indulge into change management or into transformative efforts, your, your ego, I don't care who you are, your ego may suffer a little bit if there's any ego left. But one needs to look beyond themselves. They need to look at the interest of the country, the interest of the company and the interest of the sector and as themselves. If insurance does not bring in blockchain to lower the fraudulent claims and those fraudulent claims going to increase the consumer premiums even more and those fraudulent claims going to cause the losses of jobs by these insurance companies. So really one has to evaluate at this intersection whether ego can still remain in the in, in the boardroom uh, ego has to go and we have to swallow a bitter pill and swallow the humble pill and eat the humble pie while we are at it and wash it down with some with some sobriety and make sure that we make the critical decisions that must be made whether as I mean regulators must also come to the party one of the reasons why both the banking sector and the insurance sector is a bit hesitant to, 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 to bring in uh, to adapt or, or, or to adopt new technologies is because Mr regulator is hovering over them with a big stick willing to hit them on the head if they adopt something that does not work out at first i mean really uh, adoption of new, new technology is never without its glitches so the regulators must also uh, think a business unusual because it, it usually it used to take about <laughs> 10 years before COVID to make uh, mm. vaccines of any kind but regulators were able to lose their ego yeah. and lose their complications and allow those uh, those vaccines to be made in six months. So if we see more in, in the insurance sector of lowering the walls for adoption, I think the world mm, will be a better true. place, particularly Africa, will rise at a much faster pace.
1: Right. Great. Great. That's 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 awesome. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. This has been a fantastic conversation. Uh, so, so to round off. Right, I know that you've been having a lot of engagements with countries around Africa, especially in relation to um, the African Free Trade Agreement and you know integration of blockchain. You know, in all of those conversations, I wouldn't know if uh, insurance featured in all of those conversations. But what would be your advice? And you know, coming from, I mean, all of those engagements that you are seeing and what the countries are seeing in terms of this agreement. What would be your advice for insurance on the continent and for insurers generally? How should they be thinking and what should they be uh, doing differently in order to take advantage of this um, after?
2: That is brilliant. And that's a brilliant question indeed. You know, there is a new word that uh, collaboration is the new currency in a post-COVID world. And particularly within the world or within the the Africa where the free trade agreement uh, gains momentum, collaboration is key. And collaboration is key at a a diplomatic level, at a regulator level, even at a parliamentarian level, or even uh, 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 at a level where various members of society, business, public and private sector we have to be more collaborative. That's been the the common theme of our our diplomatic engagement across the regions, uh, East Africa, even West Africa involved uh, and and the Southern part, is that no longer can we have high walls between us that are either superficial or real, that are erected by either culture or regulation or other things. We have to lower our walls and particularly the insurance sector, if I make that as an example, The insurance sector was to a large extent here on the continent of Africa, was to a large extent a cut and paste, uh, a, a cut and paste exercise. Uh, what worked in the West was expected to work here on the African continent. Both the banking sector and the insurance sector took that took that route. No wonder mm, exactly. we still have such a majority of the unbanked in our population on the continent because trust is running low. And some methods that worked in Europe and the US are, are being tried out in Africa. That's not gonna work. Uh, uh, for us to see the, un- the unbanked becoming bankable uh, going forward. We actually need to co-create solutions around the unbanked, solutions that are based on trust, solutions that are leveraging the see-through capabilities. No longer can you treat consumers like they're small babies. They must stay there while you make a baby bottle feed to feed them. No, 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 consumers don't want to be fed. One has to co-create insurance products that are informed by a specific regional or country or even state state uh, type of uh, consumer needs that's number one number two uh, the insurance sector stands to gain incredibly even as uh, the africa continental free trade agreement is being implemented leveraging blockchain i mentioned a figure earlier on 450 billion u.s dollars that's how much we are adding to our trade value as a continent between now and 2030 that's not far uh, that's, that's not far away with that addition we are also increasing uh trade between the trade corridors across countries how much of transit insurance is that that's number one number two uh, insurance companies that are in nigeria maybe before the what do you call it the free trade agreement they were limited from growing to other to other to other regions of the continent because there was just a whole lot of red tape and a whole lot of regulation but what the free trade agreement is encouraging is encouraging and prioritizing continental growth more than some self-saving interest in some corner of the continent we are gearing forward i mean we already have one passport uh, 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 having been tested in the last uh, two years no longer would you be getting a nigerian passport a Cameroonian passport while i carry south african we are going more faster and faster towards one passport and that Therefore, for insurance means that the, the the walls have to be lowered. More and more short tech uh, uh, initiatives have to be built on the blockchain for for, for increasing or uh, uh, the, the trust quotient or increasing the trust dynamic. A whole lot of co creation and collaboration. It's it, it, it's a talk that we can delve into another day on another segment, but. If uh, the the insurance companies of the future have to be built with the Africa free trade, continental agreement, continental free trade agreement in mind and have to be evolved and built onto the blockchain if they don't want to see the losses that crippled the insurance companies of the past before COVID. So, yes, Africa is rising. Agricultural supply chains are coming onto the grid. Uh, Smallholder farmers, that's 33 million of them on the continent. A lot of them were uninsured. A lot of them were unbanked. So, and and as we use blockchain to allow them into the room so that their produce can also make it to market, not through many middlemen, but directly then insurance can come in there and ensure that uh, they they cover those goods in transit. So there's lots of opportunities that we can engage around in contests with the continent and specific regions. And we are open for business to advise in any capacity how blockchain can be leveraged and how growth can be unlocked for the specific companies in the specific regions to actually mitigate all the barriers of the past as we go forward. As you know, growth excites us and blockchain Excites us, and in that, uh, lowering inequality and increasing inclusion excites us even more. Wow,
0: <laughs> I mean, that's a lot. <laughs> Well, I it's, it's, it's really much needed. I like the fact that you really went granular about it. And um, you talked about bringing down those, you know, doing something entirely different. And um, I, I wrote something today about becoming, you know, an outcome-driven, innovative insurance. And I think that you've spoken to that, which which is really, really important. Yes. Thank you very much, Shadrach. It was, I mean, was really good to have you on and I think that a lot of people really really miss it. really need to listen to you know this conversation it is it is packed and it is very practical thank you very much yes
1: thank you very much Shedrak it was it was really a pleasure speaking with you yeah so this happens to be actually our first episode in the uh, second year since we started the podcast and it is a pleasure to to have you speak about this because you know the whole idea about blockchain uh, in the financial space is has been a topical issue recently and then you know having you to come and you know, to speak about it on, on this first episode in a second uh second year is is really special and we really appreciate it and i mean it was super
2: that is incredible thank you kindly i'm really really privileged to have received your hospitality and to have benefited from your visionary objectives of opening up the, the 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 dialogue to this kind of uh bold conversations that move africa forward and can help shake up the insurance sector for the better, because like I said, the trust economy exists both in blockchain and insurance. So there's no reason why there should be walls between us. We should be co-creating the Africa we want together.
1: Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Th-
2: thank you so much and much appreciated to your listeners. Hopefully we we'll continue the conversation in in, 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 in in a foreseeable horizon. And indeed, um, I'm, I'm incredibly blessed to that uh, both of you have, cr- have, have crossed my path and I look forward to the journey with both of you.
0: Thank you. So Draghi, while audience are trying to reach to
2: you, how exactly do they
0: uh, contact you?
2: Oh, thank you so much. Uh, you know, uh, we are most actively on LinkedIn. So it's Shadrach Kubiani. It's Shadrach Kubiani on Twitter as well. And of course, our our, 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 our website that, that that is for Coronet Blockchain, that is coronetblockchain.com. So indeed, we, we, we are quite open. All our contact details are, are on that website. Let's engage and let's co-create the Africa we want
0: i'm sure that you must have enjoyed that conversation with shedra i mean it was very insightful i always had questions around blockchain but shedra was able to break down some of these things for instance i like the fact that he was able to link um, blockchain and insurance to being trust products we really. and I think that it's, it's really important when we begin to see the relevance of blockchain, especially as it affects um, the insurance space. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I, I could take from the fact is that blockchain would actually help to um, improve operational efficiency in insurance and some of the concerns that we've had around um, security for instance, it would be able to address that bit um, as well. So Tamala, what did you take from the conversation?
1: The, the, the role that blockchain can play in terms of curbing fraudulent claims and even looking at it in a larger sense, uh, when when he spoke about the role of uh, blockchain in the after and what uh, insurance can do in that space, there's definitely a need for uh, leveraging technology, technology like a blockchain in order to get insurance solutions beyond the borders of a specific uh, country, right? Now that Africa is becoming one market, how can we scale insurance and make it uh, easily accessible from anywhere across Africa? I mean, the numbers that are are there, how can we add insurance along all of these things? Trade groups are opening up as goods are moving between borders. Is insurance part of this movement? Is insurance uh, part of this, this this trend? So I think that that's a key thing for us to 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 think about and, and, and talk about.
0: Yeah, and I also like the fact that he was able to specify that Bitcoin as I mean I wouldn't even lie I'm part of that bandwagon. He <laughs> probably thinks that Bitcoin and the likes of crypto is is the entire thing for blockchain. But us... I really appreciated the fact that I was able to break it down to say Bitcoin is just a part, a single fraction of Mm, your Yeah, so, I mean, it's good to have that. I'm sure that a lot of us learned a lot from this conversation. Okay, in order to overflow it, I mean, it's important that we talk about some of our forthcoming events. Um, One of them is our forthcoming anniversary, which is to hold by um, 30th of April. Some days from now, I always like Damola to talk about Speakers, he has has passion for introducing people,
1: yeah. So, uh, like Fulmin mentioned, we are having our anniversary events, we're just bringing together our community and saying, I mean, thank you for the past year. And we want to do that uh, with a session where we're going to be having a few of our friends, a few of our friends who have been guests on our podcast uh to and why we we, we chose them was because they are all written books uh, and not just any book they're written books about insurance and insurtech and innovation in the insurance space so, so we wanted to have a conversation with these guys and say okay what has gone into that book what are the uh, learnings from the book and really also encourage our community as well to to, to learn through these books because one of the pillars for us at the Tech Business Series is is learning, right? So some of the speakers that are going to be speaking on that day, we have Brian Falchuk, Eunice Minor, Frederick Bisbee, and also Rob Galbraith. Rob Galbraith is our IBS man of the year for 2020. So yeah, so it's super exciting. Uh, I mean, the last one year has been really, really interesting, meeting a lot of people and speaking to a lot of uh, professionals from around the world, and we are super, super excited about what the future holds. Uh, we are very much thankful to you for listening and also being a part of the conversation. And also very much thankful to all the 26-plus people uh, guests that we've had on the, on the podcast.
0: So thank you, and I'm sure that um, you will be happy to join us in this particular event. Um, also, we have a forthcoming event in May. Um, it's called uh, Women in Insurance, IPS Women in Insurance, basically. And this will talk about some of the struggles of um, c leaders in that particular space, how um, the female gender has been able to overcome some of the challenges as well as realities um, for um, in, in you know managing insurance businesses in Nigeria as well as in Africa. So it's, it's really be a good one for um, people to listen in and see how we can help to balance gender inequalities um, in that space. We will share the details, um, the forthcoming details on our page from time to time you can engage us as well and if you have questions we'll be happy to take more questions from you as well as reviews we love your reviews it helps us to do better so we'll be anticipating some of your reviews as well on that note i think that we can close this and um saying you should enjoy the rest of your week thank you very much you guys are the in football they will say you're the mvp so i would say you're the most valuable players Thank you for listening. Thank
1: you very much. Thank you very much for joining us. You've been super amazing. Uh, I enjoyed this conversation. I'm sure that you did. And yes, join us on the next episode. Uh, Don't forget to subscribe, share, and leave a review, leave a comment. And we're happy to uh, engage with you. Join us on LinkedIn and every other social media platform. And most importantly, stay
0: safe. Bye. Let it let